Hello and welcome. I'm Savannah. And I'm Holly. And this is Don't Fall Asleep. episode um this one is about daniel laplante holly has no idea what i'm about to say no she did this all without me knowing and i'm very excited because it's a real fucked up case i'll still put my input in though (laughs) daniel laplante was born may 16th 1970 in townsend massachusetts and his home life growing up was not a good one he was physically, mentally, and sexually abused by his father slash stepfather. It's not really clear which one, but most sources say his stepfather because okay. he lived with. It doesn't say much about the dad, what happened with him, or anything like that. But this and his dyslexia caused him to struggle in school. Because of the abuse, Daniel often came to school wearing dirty clothes and smelling bad. The kids at North Middlesex High School would avoid him because they thought he was weird and creepy. Which, that's a really weird name for a school. Middlesex. Yeah. I think that's, like, the town as well. Like, that's weird. I know, right? <laughs> the school officials soon referred him to a psychiatrist because of this. And that could have been good. Him going to see a psychiatrist could have been a turning point. It could have been something... Some that, way to get help. Yeah, that prevented what was to come. Yeah. But unfortunately, it was only a turn for the worst. During the next year, the psychiatrist would sexually assault him. As well. A licensed psychiatrist. You gotta be fucking kidding me. I know. I bet he even said, maybe he even told the psychiatrist, yeah, my family's been sexually assaulting me. He's like, okay, here's some more. Like, what the fuck? I can't even believe that. Like, what? I know. This all happened before the age of 15. My god. After this, he started breaking into homes and stealing valuables. And by the age of 15, things would get a lot darker. He liked to torment the people living in the houses by leaving things behind, like half-drunken beverages, or move things around the house that wouldn't be too obvious at first, but that people would know that something was up. He wanted to make people think that they were losing their minds. In 1986, at 16, Daniel would torment his first victim. Brian Andrews was a single father because, unfortunately, his died, his died wife of cancer. <laughs> That's not funny. Um, no, um, unfortunately, his wife died of cancer, and he had a 15-year-old daughter, Annie, and an 8-year-old eight, daughter, Jessica. Brian worked constantly to try to support his family, so he wasn't around much, unfortunately. Daniel had broken to their house numerous times and had seen pictures of Annie, and he became obsessed. He rummaged through the house and eventually got her phone number and said he had got it through someone Annie went to school with. He called her numerous times over the span of like a week and she did start to have a crush on him. He told her his name was Danny and that he was tall, blonde, and athletic. When he's not. He's, he has brown hair, he's tall, and he's very greasy and fucking ugly. One night he called her and convinced her to go to the fair with him. 
So she agreed, and he told her that he would pick her up. When he arrived on the doorstep, and he was taken aback because he was not blonde or athletic. Like I said, he was ugly and greasy. She still went out with him. As they were talking, she mentioned how her mother just died of cancer. And he became obsessed with this, asking a bunch of questions like, how long did she suffer, and how did you feel when your mom died? Creepy, like weird stuff. Uncomfortable. Yeah. After an hour, she made excuses to go home, and she did not want to see him again. A few days later, Annie and Jessica were reminiscing about their mom and decided to do a seance. They lit candles, held hands, and sang songs until their dad came home. That night, they began to hear tapping, and they thought they had actually contacted their mom, so they began asking questions, and it would communicate through taps and knocking. The tapping would keep them up and make it hard to sleep throughout the weeks. Soon enough, the furniture in the house would move around and things would be missing or scattered across the floor. There were times when they would leave food on the table and when they would leave the room for like five minutes and come back, it would be gone. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. They thought they were being haunted by a demon and not their mom. Which, kind of true. <laughs> You'll understand why later. Okay. They tried to tell their dad that they were being haunted, but he told them that it was nonsense and they were just stricken with grief. Late that night, they heard knocking and tapping again, but this time it was coming from the basement and not the walls. The girls grabbed a knife and went downstairs to see a message written in blood red. I'm in your room. Come find me. The girls ran out of the house into a neighbor's house where they waited for their dad to come home. Their dad assumed that they were the ones who made the mess because of the grief they felt from their mother's death and that they were just trying to get attention. Several weeks went by of similar happenings and more writing on the walls that read, I'm back, find me if you can. And again, they ran to the neighbor's house. And again, Brian blamed them until he went inside and saw more disarray than what they had mentioned. It had clearly been done when they were all at the neighbor's house. Brian went into Annie's room and saw Marry Me written on the wall. Ryan turned around to the other side of the room, and there stood Danny wearing their mother's makeup and a dress, wearing a blonde wig, holding a hatchet. There was a struggle between them. Daniel got away, and Brian called the police. What the fuck? Yeah. Some sources say that he was wearing the mom's wedding dress, but it's not totally clear. Like, imagine if the girls didn't go to the neighbors that night. Like, what would you... They could have died. Yeah. He had a whole-ass hatchet. He really pulled a, a psycho move. For real. Like, it's fucking creepy. Like, this <clears throat> seems like it's, like, straight out of a movie. Dude, I know. The police had found Daniel curled up in a hidden crawl space in Annie's room hidden behind a cupboard. After further investigation, the messages were found out to be written in ketchup, and he had made tunnels in the walls and peepholes to watch them. He had been living in the walls for months. Disturbing. Like, he probably watched them change and all that shit. Yeah. No, I know. Since he was 16 at the time, he was arrested and put into a juvenile detention facility for 10 months. Uh, From January to October 1987, he was 17. He was now being moved from a juvenile court to an adult court and was being tried as an adult. Daniel was charged with four counts of kidnapping, four counts of armed assault in a dwelling, breaking and entering a dwelling, larceny of more than $100, and malicious destruction of property. His mom paid for his bail because he was trying to adult until he got bail, and he was let out, but he was supposed to be 
but he was supposed to have a hearing on December 11th, 1987. But in November, he broke into a neighbor's house and stole two handguns. It gets worse. It gets so much worse. On December 1st, he broke into the home of a pregnant mother, 33-year-old Priscilla, her husband, 34-year-old Andrew, and their two children, 7-year-old Abigail and 5-year-old William. Priscilla was dedicated to her Christian faith and sung in their church's choir. So, it's nice. <laughs> um, Andrew came home at about 5 o'clock from work to a quiet house. He went upstairs and into the bedroom. He immediately saw his very pregnant wife laying face down in their bed with their pillows soaked in her blood. He ran out of the house and called the police. Priscilla was shot multiple times in the back of the head and was raped by Daniel. Semen stains were found in the bed and footprints were found in the flower garden. When the police arrived, they found five-year-old William and seven-year-old Abigail both drowned in separate bathrooms. He had forced himself inside the house. Restraints were found in the house that pointed to Daniel holding the family at gunpoint to control them as he restrained them. It's believed he killed the mother first, being the biggest threat. It wasn't long before the police linked this murder to Daniel. Uh, he was just released and known for robberies, and a cable television box and a cordless phone was stolen from the Gustafunses. I think that's how you say their last name. He was just released and known for robberies around the area, and a cable television box and a cordless phone was stolen from the family. He was living with his mom at the time, which was less than a mile from the family. The following day, December 2nd, police questioned Daniel, finding him at the Townsend Public Library. He denied any involvement in the murders, telling the police that he had been home watching TV most of the day, and then attended his six-year-old niece's birthday party. At this point, they did not have any hard evidence linking Daniel to the murders yet. Later the same day, police went to the LaPlante home to question him further. As they approached the home, Daniel, who was standing on the porch, turned and ran into the woods. A search of the woods separating the last family he had attacked, um, the Gustafunson, Gustaf, it's such a word, Gustafunson, Gustafusson, Gustafus, Gustafson, Gustafson, yeah, wait, Gustafson, yeah, Gustafsons. That's so hard to say. And the plant homes. So in search of their houses, a shirt belonging to Daniel and a wet pair of gloves had been found, which the detectives believes he had been wearing when he drowned Abigail and William. A manhunt ensued. A police helicopter was used as well as police dogs and nearly 50 local state officials. A few tents over from Townstead, a plant broke into a woman's home and kidnapped her in his vehicle. The woman luckily escaped, but LaPlante was spotted by someone who had seen his photograph on the news. Daniel was discovered hiding in the dumpster at a lumberyard in Ayer, Massachusetts, about 11 miles southeast of Townsend, 48 hours after the manhunt had begun. Had begun. Oh my god. When he was inspected, a hair belonging to Abigail Gustafson was found, was discovered on his sock, cementing LaPlante cementing LaPlante's involvement in her murder. He was, sentenced to, he was sentenced with three life sentences a year later when he appeared in court. Daniel pled not guilty to all three murder charges. His trial began October of 1988. By this time, he was 18. 
who was ordered to undergo a psychiatric psych, oh my god <laughs> he was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation in which he was found to be fit to stand trial even though daniel was a minor at the time the murders were committed the judge had already ruled that he would be tried as an adult during the trial, the prosecution called as many as 50 witnesses. Daniel was found guilty on all counts after about five hours of deliberation by the jury. That's fast. Yeah. That is so fast. He was new to this. He wasn't skilled yet. <laughs> um, and he was just fucking sick. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean... He had an, he it's impossible to have a good brain mm-hmm. after everything that's happened to him. It you remind- go from being the abusee to the abuser. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the boy because that guy was like living in the walls. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yes. I wonder if they like took some inspiration from this case because that would have been smart. <laughs> the judge sentenced him to three life sentences to be served consecutively. He is currently incarcerated at. MCI North Norfolk Prison in Norfolk, Massachusetts. During this time in prison, he's shown low remorse for his actions and even tried to sue the courts and prison system for violating his rights and religious freedom, saying that he was a Satanist and the prison system did not allow him to have the necessary materials needed for rituals. Like, what the fuck? Of course not. Oh my god. Sorry, I don't think they want demons in their prison. (laughs) However, in 2017, he appealed for a lesser sentence and went to the court and said, I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From the very essence of who I am, from the depth of my soul, I am sorry. Like, fuck off. Fuck you. You were not sorry. The appeal was denied, thankfully. Despite his, um remorseful plea he just wanted to go out and kill more people (laughs) yeah his application was denied and his request for early parole eligibility was again denied in 2019 uh andrew gustafson i'm gonna oh my god i hope i'm not saying that wrong remarried in 1989 to a woman named carol who was also a widow and and hmm? oh my gosh when andrew and carol married they each wore two wedding rings, one to mark their marriage and the other to remember their deceased spouses. That's so fucking cute. For real. The couple had two daughters, Holly and Laura. <laughs> Andrew left his law practice and began working for the state as a child advocate. He's Holly, you got nothing to say to that? No, I'm busy doing my mascara. Holly! I'm trying to look good. This is ridiculous. Okay, continue. You're supposed to be like, oh, oh my god, that's so cute. It is. <laughs> he stayed in this position for 12 years, then went to work for the Massachusetts Conference of the United Church of Christ. Andrew died in 2014 at 60 years old of cancer, and on his deathbed he said, don't ever let him out, he should rot in prison. Agreed. Period. What a king! Oh my god! So yeah, that's the story of Daniel LaPlante, that sick motherfucker. That didn't take too long. That was like a little short, cute one. I mean, at least he didn't kill the first two girls. Like, I will say that. Yeah. He, I think he wanted to. Oh, definitely. He had a whole ass hatchet and tried to be their mother and <laughs> lived in their house. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked up. 
Sorry. You'll have to edit that out. Okay, <laughs> so I think that's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening, and remember, don't, don't fall, fall asleep. asleep.